This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're watching The Dorkening. Stay tuned. Hey there, good citizens of Gotham City. You are listening to The Dork Knight. We're back at it again. Take two of the Batman movie. I hope you liked uh, last week's discussion. It was a lot of fun, but now Brandon's back. We're back at it talking about the Batman movie. And, uh, you know, every episode, as you know, is brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Head on over to GetDeadly.com to get the most amazing coffee you'll ever have. It's a local roaster right here in Connecticut. We absolutely love them. And, uh, you know, uh, also this show is brought to you by the Dorkening Podcast Network. Head on over to thedorkening.com where you can check out some amazing shows like Super Retro Throwback Reviews, Wicked Horror Show, Still Token With, Comics Paradox, Creator Spotlight. There's about 40 shows on the network. There's a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. So head on over to thedorkening.com for all the latest episodes right there. and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. ...and all that happy horse shit, and they were like, oh, you should use, you should use your real first name or blah 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 he's like oh i don't like it when people call me robin i'm like i can somebody can somebody just show me where the where the face of the screen is because i i need to punch it i I gotta (laughs) gotta punch the face of the screen i thought they were doing a family guy thing like uh uh oh he said the thing that that's almost him that's hey i'm a family guy (laughs) i'm the buddies for life right john i actually it's robin shut the fuck up john he then turned turned to the camera and winked, right? Yeah, exactly. Wink. <laughs> wink. If you if you're actually winking and looking at the camera, you don't have to say wink. Oh, okay. <laughs> wink. <laughs> I'm not sure how this works. I'm new at being Batman. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so we are uh, talking tonight. Uh, sorry. Uh, how do, how I are you apologizing for us talking? That's why they yeah, turned yeah. in, Leo. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're off to a great start, gang. Hey, w- welcome to the Dork Night, where uh, we honor Batman and, and talk about everything about the Batman. And uh, tonight's going to be fun. We're going to be doing the Batman movie, part two. Not the sequel to the movie, but, you know, this time, Brandon, hopefully he he keeps his power. Uh, huh? 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 <laughs> I, like, I like that. Power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hey, that was good. Hey, everybody, how, how's it? How's it? How's it hanging? Like a bat in the belfry? Word. <laughs> and uh, Brandon has dropped his mic, and we've moved on. That's good. <laughs> that was all we needed. <laughs> all right, you guys have a good show. Later. <laughs> wow, he's out again. <laughs> it's it's funny because he actually left us this envelope with a riddle on it. Um, no. 
why is a raven like a right no <laughs> oh that'd be that'd be terrible <laughs> yeah it is it is terrible but um everybody things i don't the, have in my house <laughs> uh and that is justin cooper and if you didn't get the pun it was also powerful brandon uh brandon powers power yeah you yeah can. no we got it we just didn't <laughs> want it <laughs> throw it back yeah hey it's a uh, time joke it's a so time joke you laugh when you have the time oh okay you know my jokes are bad not too so long it's... though you'll you'll end up with an ingrown chuckle <laughs> that's like the humor of steve harvey you just save it for later <laughs> sorry Sir, there is no such thing and i do not appreciate you telling such lies on this podcast <laughs> I tried to never watch the Steve Harvey show because I felt it perpetuated the stereotype that Steve Harvey is funny. Yeah, it's definitely not. Like, so, I, so you, you watch Family Feud then? Oh, yeah. He's great on Family Feud. Yeah. Small doses. Yeah. <laughs> when he shows up as being like indignant about an answer and all that, that's when he's actually funny. So, yeah. but I, I do, I do say that Steve Harvey could actually be a Batman villain. Yeah. Two Face. Yeah, well, well, think about this. Like with a mustache and all that, he dresses Egghead. really flamboyantly, right? Right. He's sarcastic and always has like a comeback and all that. And uh, you know, he may or may not be evil. So uh, you know, the Mad Hatter. Yeah, he, he, he could be. Uh... Twinkle, twinkle, little bat. How I wonder <laughs> where you're at. I said, snick a snack. <laughs> <laughs> Said the Jabberwocky. Wow, that is, that is quite the <laughs> reference to the to to uh, Alice through the Looking Glass and Alice in Wonderland. Well, that's wow. yeah, the, the Jabberwock. I, I did. Yeah, but not everybody knows the Snicker Snack. Yeah, it's uh with the with the the Vorpal Blade and the Vorpal Blade Snicker Snack. Yeah. I did I did a whole podcast episode on um, on uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland, Lewis Carroll, and all that, and um, I, I read the entire Jabberwock and. Man, that that was tough to lump through, and and I had to do it in a couple takes. Yeah, yeah. Remember, kids, don't do drugs. Yeah, <laughs> or, or children. <laughs> <laughs> or children on no. We'll yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> hey. Speaking of Batman, <laughs> oh, I have to I have to microdose them with psilocybin from from mushrooms. Otherwise, how are they going to be susceptible to the things I want them to do? Wow, Mr. Carroll, could you stay down the lane? Thanks. <laughs> okay, on uh, on Batman. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, highly inappropriate. Uh, well, we've already talking... cast the sequel. And, can and we please we heard... just talk about the orphan who saw his parents gunned down in front of him and grew up to be a man who dresses like a bat? We don't know that. It wasn't said. It wasn't shown. I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't shown, but it was certainly said. <laughs> like... <laughs> It was definitely said in the movie. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it was a big plot point. <laughs> like it, you guys just, didn't mention I, yet, we just heard that there's going to be a sequel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, to absolutely no one's surprise. Well, yeah, hey, a... welcome to DC Comics, where we have 1,600 characters. So please enjoy the 12th Batman movie we're going to make. Well, we we almost got a Wonder Twins movie. Oh, we man, a we man did? can dream. Oh, it's it's important to note that uh, nightmares are also dreams. So, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Justin, you saw they they announced it and then they canceled it. I saw something about them getting killed, but I didn't click on it. Uh, so so they announced the Wonder Twins either series or movie, um, and then the new uh, guard 
took over at DC and oh, canceled. Yeah. Well, and we were still supposed to get a Green Lantern Corpse movie, which has been in pre-production for like uh, eight years. Actually, I, I think the Green Lantern Corps is supposed to be a show on HBO Max. Well, let's let's hope if, if Jeff Johns got the production company going on that. Yeah, I don't think Jeff Johns is going to be like at least facing forward. Uh, what is he in... doing? What is he doing there? I never know what he's doing in there. <laughs> <laughs> And where you you just pointed, Justin? Do you have him tied up in the back? I wish. He, no, I'd be no, like, no, 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 no. Shut I'd the be fuck like, up, here. Jeff. I mean, I need, I need you to. <laughs> I need you to explain this this Batman plot here. You know, I need you to explain what's going on in in uh, Aquaman the Reef here. Come on, like let's or the the depth or whatever it is. You know, like let's let's talk about like some JSA All Star uh, Squadron. Come on, you know. Like I wish that's what we'd be we'd be talking about if Jeff Johns was here. But I'd definitely be asking him about like what the heck's going on with these movies. Yeah. Well, uh, so it looks like they're they're clearing the slate of a lot of stuff with the, with the new guard. But um, yeah, it's I think I think we're going to enter a new era of DC. Hopefully, I mean, you see, McFarland took over completely for their uh, merchandising now. Really? Yeah. So now McFarlane is their uh, exclusive uh, distributor and uh, they're, well, I guess not distributor because they, they still, um, well, they're not going through Diamond. But um, yeah, so I, I guess that would be accurate. He's their exclusive distributor and the one that does like all the sculpts and releases oh. all the toys and um, designer. statues. Designer, yeah. So so like no more like Mayfax? Mayfax is a licensed thing, so it okay. would go it would go through that and like like Mezco and stuff but like that. Essentially, McFarlane Toys is altogether replacing DC Direct, like that. Nah, that kind of that's thing. that's yeah. done been replaced absolutely because yeah. they yeah. they broke ties with with um, like the the Diamond exclusives and and like all of that kind of stuff. So they're they're done with those guys. But I mean, yeah. since since uh, COVID, they've been you know doing their own distribution too. They actually get in on Tuesdays the books uh, instead of uh, Wednesdays, I believe. Wow, interesting. Yeah, that explains why I've been getting a lot of DC books on Tuesday. I was like, "Where the <laughs> yeah, fuck no, it up, Amazon?" <laughs> no, no, it's uh, they come out a day earlier because they they don't have the same embargo. I guess that's pretty cool. Wow. I can dig I, it. I yeah, like I, I'll be honest with you guys. I buy mostly DC books anyway. Yeah. So, no. Like what? <laughs> You I get I right out of town, sir. The the one Marvel book that I get is Daredevil, and I mean that's no secret. And um, I mean I I try to catch up with X Men every couple of years, but you know um, I I gave up on this Hickman run because I I just don't connect with it. So I I read so much of it, and and then I I had to stop. Wouldn't you be pissed if you paid money to read that? <laughs> I mean I did. Uh, I I did. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I got it every week. <laughs> like. I I, I'm so title. behind on Batman though right now. Like I think the last issue that I read, like was like, oh, check it out, new character named Clown Killer. I'm like, all right, let me find that, out what's going on was, here. Was that Batman's new alter ego? No, it's a kid. Killer? It was a kid that found a batarang and then embedded it in a bat, right? Or like a like a baseball bat, and he yeah, has like a hat on mohawk. a hat, right? And it, this was during like the Joker War, and he was like killing clowns, so he called himself Clown Killer. And, and uh, the interaction was Batman told him to stop. And um, that was it. He's like, I'm not going like, to stop. Yeah. Well, well they're, they're... Why don't you make me Batman? Oh, wait, never mind. I know what you can do. I'll stop. I'll stop. Well, th there's been uh, further character development with him. Uh, cool. he's, he's now training with that. 
other new character they added uh, the white batman uh, did you get you didn't get that far yet no uh there, there's a character that uh the signal no no that, that's duke thomas yeah he, he uh they, signal's cool they just introduced him i'd say probably about 20 issues ago uh he i am that far behind so <laughs> He uh, he was uh, first introduced as an enemy. He was very competitive against Bruce. They trained in the same places and uh, they were always trying to one up each other as being the best. Uh, and uh, one just wants to be the best detective just to be the best. And, you know, Batman is Batman. Uh, so it was uh, but he likes to kill. And um, essentially, he's just Batman, but he kills and he wears a white suit. So, um, yeah, so I, I like it better. Night. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You guys talked about that tonight, too, didn't you? Uh, a little bit. Not little bit. not a whole lot, because we didn't want to spoil the episode for anybody who hadn't had a chance to watch. It. I mean, it's the same night, so that's yeah. that's tricky. All, all I can say is I'm <clears throat> glad this show is not about Moon Knight. So, <laughs> oh, OK, uh, <laughs> just glad. Did, did you not like it? Not really. I'm gonna be honest. No. Really. You couldn't pick that up from. Yeah, it's um, it's not for me. Like, it's okay. It's a thing. I watched it. Great. What do I do with this? Not really much. You know, I'm I not gonna it. go out and buy a Moon Knight shirt. You know, um, not gonna buy the omnibus. You know, from the '80s and all that. Like, I I like the art. I like Sinkevich's art, and then I like how they named the hospital after him. But um, you know, and that's. You know, is that how you say his name, Sinkevich? Holy shit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, he spells I've it never... phonetically on, on his website, so but I've I've been following him for years. Yeah, I just I don't think I ever actually said his name out loud before. Yeah, sense. he's he's done some stuff with the turtles too, so he's on he's on my radar to one day get on the podcast. Nice. Yeah, yeah really so, uh, interesting guy. <laughs> so uh yeah, I don't know how far you guys got uh when I lost power from the previous installment of our now two part review of the Batman. So mm -hmm. how far did you get? Uh, I can't remember. So I, you know, I, I say we just start this as, you know, a new conversation, you know, just sure. We, well, we didn't get too much of your conversation and uh, you know, just to level set, you know, why don't we just uh, talk about, you know, uh, first, did we enjoy the movie? I did. I enjoyed it. Um, I. It's very difficult for me to get, you know, very up and excited for Batman movies just because we've, you know, comparatively speaking, had a glut of them. Uh, you know, I'm far more interested just as a movie lover and uh, comic book dork. I'm far more interested in seeing other characters get get their dues um and uh, there's more that can be done than just a bunch of batman movies some old superman movies some deconstructed superman movies and like one 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 good wonder woman movie and one second wonder woman movie <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know it's it, i think there's a lot that can be explored but with this one uh the hook for me was that Matt Reeves was finally, and this has been one of my biggest complaints for years, finally actually making Batman a detective. Yes. 
in the movie because that's i mean that's his title he's the cape crusader the dark knight detective and they certainly get like the cape crusader in the dark knight part down but the closest like we ever got previously was christian bale using a computer to reconstruct digitally like bullet fragments out of a brick and like that was it and we saw with with gordon gordon was not capable of solving that crime and Gordon was a very capable Commissioner Gordon. But, like, if their forensic people couldn't do it and all that, it took, like, the combining of Alfred and um, Bruce together to get that cipher. And Bruce yeah. wouldn't have even gotten it by himself without Alfred. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, um, I, I, was, I was very impressed. Uh, Colin Farrell, Farrell blew me away. Um, a lot of people I know were like, why the, you know, Hollywood will just go out of their way altogether to just never hire an ugly actor. Like this is ridiculous. (laughs) Here's the thing. They were able to construct the penguin to a specific look that they clearly wanted. And they have an actor who's actually like younger and in shape under that capable of playing the role who can continue to do so for many years without like any necessary health problems. You know, when you hire, older actors for a franchise that you hope extends for several years that's that's a factor that needs to be played into it and mm. i i think it's the right move altogether it's a smart move well i i totally agree with you but there's also one <clears throat> other item was his acting ability oh. there there's a video out there when he they're just doing a pros, uh prosthetic or prosthetics i saw uh, that yeah 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 and he like becomes the penguin he he starts like doing the voice and just you know he he was like talking normal then talking as a penguin and oh my god he he, his acting ability is just phenomenal yeah and and he's worked he's worked really hard because you know he showed up on the scene in minority report for steven spielberg which like jesus talk about having the door opened up for you in hollywood right off the bat yep and that was not necessarily the best thing for him because he he flooded the market with himself. He was saying yes to any big time project that came his way. And he started to become known as, you know, a sort of, you know, slovenly douchebag all throughout Hollywood and what have you. And if you'll make note, like what, shortly after Miami Vice, I think he just kind of like disappeared. And seemingly what he did was he realized he had some problems that he needed to navigate and went home. He mm-hmm. went back to Ireland and, uh, you know, he's probably kind of like moping and like, oh, you know, they all think I suck. And, you know, his real friends and family are like, oh, that's because you do. Yeah, like you're yeah. acting like an idiot. So you almost you got should... killed for urinating in front of a princess. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should like, you know, just reassess, take some time, get your head straight and maybe work on some smaller stuff. And that's when we started to see him come out and do more independent projects. And like one of the big ones that really got him back out there onto the scene was in Bruges, uh, which he's in with Brendan Gleeson. And that movie is also an excellent uh, flick. If you get the chance to it see it, great, I recommend it. Great movie. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he started doing stuff like seven psychopaths. He, he showed up um, for uh, Heath Ledger in Terry Dr. Gilliam's the, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus along yeah. with, um, Johnny Jude, Depp and Jude Law. Jude Law. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then really the first kind of, quote, big thing he did 
after several years was the remake of Fright Night, which is actually like far better than it has any right to be. It's because like, of I, David Tennant, though, is the reason <laughs> that it's so good. There's a, actually, I mean, I think Colin Farrell did a pretty good job in that movie too. Well, better than Chris Sarandon. I mean, you know, it's 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 well, no, like a, not, it's a different I, take. Like I, not, I'm with you. I, I, I like it better. I'm just, I didn't. I didn't say that it was better than Chris Rand. I'm just saying I think he did a great job. I mean, I, I really, really, really enjoy the remake of Fright Night. I I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I'll put it that way. And honestly, I kind of, with in regards to David Tennant in that movie, um, I do I do think it was actually kind of cool how they switched his character around a bit and had a bit more personal involvement with... Um, the whole lore of vampires as opposed to just being a, a has-been like hammer actor basically yep uh, you know it makes a lot more sense because really when you think about it in the first movie like it's fun and and funny and still kind of scary the first movie is i mean there's no way that getting peter vincent to help you out doesn't result in all of you dying in that movie. <laughs> like, i don't understand like I, I mean i love roddy mcdowell but like let's call a spade a spade um whereas in this remake it was it was really good and how he still just wasn't like perfectly suave like he kind of didn't know what he was doing either but he had been amassing so many things in this like preparation for something that he kind of hoped actually wouldn't ever happen and you know i i really dig it and i think maybe the only the only disappointing thing for me in that was uh you know the lack of evil ed uh, in it, the way that it was portrayed by Stephen Jeffries in the first movie, um, how you know, but it's kind of incredible to to watch it and see that like the main most of them actually, yeah, the all the main cast in that movie, not a single one of them is American. Yeah, Colin Farrell it, is Irish, uh, David Tennant is Scottish, uh, Tony Collette is Australian, Anton Yelchin is uh, his family is originally from Russia. Uh, Imogen Poots is British, and uh, even Peter Vincent's girlfriend. What about uh, Christopher Mintz Plas? I wouldn't count him as like main cast because he he's dispatched pretty quickly in the beginning of the movie, and then he only has that like small segment where he goes after Charlie, and that's pretty much that. Charlie Bartlett? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even even I, Peter Vincent. You guys saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, even Peter Vincent's girlfriend in it. Um, she's uh, oh, she she's great. She's from South America. That's um, Sofia Vergara's essentially like little sister. I mean, wow. I think she's actually her niece. But yeah, that's she is. Uh, she grew like she's her niece, but she's so close in age to Sofia Vergara, and her mother helped pretty much raise the actress. So they're sisters. Uh, when I found that, I was like, what the hell? So like. That's that's like a hell of a cast. And wait, I'm like, wait a minute. There's nobody here with 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 an actual American accent. This is fucking weird. <laughs> like nobody. And uh it is funny to me that David Tennant, he's Scottish, but he ends up like having to use a British accent in everything. Well, he's good at it. Yeah, but at the same time, like the guy never gets a chance to like just I don't know, you know. Only Scrooge McDuck. Uh, yeah, that's true. 
So I, I want to ask you about something here because you had touched on something about that. And um, when, when you were talking about like the David Tennant character who was stockpiling or excuse me, the Roddy McDowell character who was stockpiling all these items for something that he hoped would never come. Um, there's aspects of that in this sort of Bruce Wayne, you know, um, just based on like the uh, stuff that he has and like his his preparation and all that. But um then there's aspects of him that are very sparse in this. And, you know, I, I like to go into like the gadgets and the gadgetry and all that. Um, wh- what do you think about like that aspect of the film? Like, uh, because like he has, he has like gauntlets that have stuff, but it, he doesn't really have like a traditional um, like utility belt, you know, and, and like even the car is super stripped down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Keeping in mind that it's, you know, it's supposed to be year two. I mean, this is even in the context of the movie, it's like year two of Project Gotham or the Gotham Project or whatever it is. Um, I actually, I kind of, I kind of dug on, on the equipment that he was using. He was, you know, he's so, he's still so young and so fresh at it essentially that I think there's still a fair amount of hubris involved with how he approaches Going I can out absolutely and, see that, yeah, and you know, cleaning the streets. So, like, I don't need all this other stuff. I'm a weapon. I will take care of it. And he he has a few things to help him dispatch people quickly, particularly if it's a group like we see in the subway in the movie. Um, although I did appreciate the fact that he does make use of the utility belt to save his and selena's lives mm-hmm. towards the end of the movie because he is starting to pass out and he pulls out adrenaline from his utility belt and there's literally a hole in yep. his costume or uniform whatever you want to say mm-hmm. his pajamas and he <laughs> just jams that thing right through and boom he's, he's getting ready to turn that dude's face into a carton of minute made orange juice with pulp uh yeah I, I, I was going to bring that up. I, I read one article where they were trying to say that's Venom, but it's like, no. no. It, 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 uh, who, like, who, who is... How would they establish oh, that? Thank you. I was just going to say, yeah. who was saying that? Because they're editorializing like yeah. nobody's fucking oh, yeah, business. Oh. Well, like, he, hey, I brought all this fucking baggage with me, and I'm just going to see what applies to anything I see with absolutely no context within story. Is that cool? <laughs> that, no, not that really. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. That would have worked in The Dark Knight Rising. If if there was something that existed and they were going to do that with Bane and all that, then that would have worked. Yeah. Because then you would have backstory. You would have all these things that you can go to. It's not since been established. You know, it's it just... It just doesn't because exist. Because that movie is Bane sucked. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's way too early to even introduce Venom or anything like that. And, and I don't that think the sequel is go- I think this, they were saying like the sequel is going to involve like the Golden Age uh, Clayface is what I'm saying. Uh, and so not Basil Carlo, the one before him? Yeah. Uh, Matt Hagen, is that? I'm looking it up right now. I think so. Wow. That um that's an interesting take because having him fight a monster is a good idea. You know, and, and especially yeah. a monster that can be all kinds of other people, because then we can get our Joker, you know, and it's like, oh, it's the Joker, but it's really Clayface. And that's that's pretty brilliant. Well, fighting uh, some sort of monster definitely breaks away from the previous Batman series where it was all it needed to be realistic. 
this here where we're getting a realistic Batman. And if they introduce a, a monster from his rogues gallery, like, like Clayface, you know, it gives that surreal aspect as, as well, you know, and it breaks into more of the Batman stories rather than just, okay, we're going to make a Batman, but like not include, you know, anybody good, you know, <laughs> to not include anybody. That's, good. that's what that series, the Batman did. It was a, a cartoon network series. I had, talked earlier about the green lantern this one did that and they're like the best villain that they came up with was professor pig and like magpie and stuff like that and like i'm like nobody wants to see those like you don't have john Byrne did yeah yeah well you know he also had like like uh a whole like book of of like uh, of like b (laughs) b tier villains that he was trying to push over and all that and you know, I mean, it's like not everything that he did was gold. You know, no, look at no. like the next. That's not the case for like anybody. That, so. That's yeah. not the case for anybody. I don't. I, I can't think of anybody that hit one hundred percent. George Perez. That's good. <laughs> okay. No problem. I'm like I'm not. I'm, I'm like it, you're right though. Like it's not everybody hits it all the time. But and um, nor nor should anybody be expected to. I mean. We're all human beings, and you know everybody who's making these stories and what have you, like they're doing their best. You know, you can't. You can't I, well, well, each can't rain all the time. Flight. I mean, hey, well, if if you kind of like the Spider-Man movies, and I know I'm gonna get you know hell for this, but you know, each series definitely improves upon the previous. You know, like the first Spider-Man series was you know amazing for its time, and then Amazing Spider-Man had awesome improvements. I, I would say definitely the best Spider-Man you know we've seen, except for now Tom Holland. Same with Batman. Like Batman '89 was amazing for its time, you know, and. I, we absolutely loved it, you know, going into the theater to see it. But then we get to, you know, Bale's Batman or, you know, um, yeah, he's, he's Batman. so yeah. that Batman for that time, you know, and it, it's like, like to that early 2000s to like the, the 2010s and all that, that is the Bale era. And it just, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, that's a post nine 11 Batman mm-hmm. trilogy. You know, that is taking a good hard look at what, a real world scenario would be with this particular vigilante. How does that work? Well, all and, the villains are foreign invaders. Think about it. Well, except for Joker, I, I guess. Joker. Say, not so, much Joker. so look at the first two movies then, or the, yeah. the first movie and then the third movie. They're but you know, the case, invaders, the case so. has been made without real context. Once again, this is editorialization, but it, it's a fair enough, like speculation theory uh, that, you know, um, he was in fact, uh, you know, a, a a vet a veteran who had likely been scarred because of any stuff stuff that happened to him overseas and he came back and yes physically he was scarred but suffered from tremendous ptsd and he used the knowledge that he had gained from whatever his job was in the military and he's just gone full you know domestic terrorist with it uh you know that that, no the joker oh the joke oh okay And I would say with the world that Nolan established for that Batman, that lines up. I I can understand why that would make sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. And you mentioned it, uh, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman is, you know, just keeps. I think Ben personally, I'm not I'm still not thrilled about the idea that they made a Man of Steel movie and then felt. And this is all this is DC, but, you know, also Zack Snyder. 
shut the fuck up when you go into meetings. Like, if you're there for the Superman movie, don't mention Batman. Because you should know the second you say the word that begins with B and M's and N, every executive in that room is going to have just a raging bat boner. Uh, <laughs> uh, bat girlin'? <laughs> but but the thing is like the the fact that you know they they inserted him and just made a full-on batman v which not even versus like it sounds like it's a fucking legal case but batman v superman and when i i went into it i was like you know okay you know it's i mean the the ultimate edition is better but like oh, yeah. that's kind of like saying like oh i don't like eating shit but you know it it's at least somewhat okay if I, put, if I put a little yep. hot sauce on it, you know, like, okay, but you're still eating shit. So <laughs> is it really worth it? Uh, it but it's not that, unwatchable though. I mean, it, it's got some good parts to it. You know, I it's, think, it's just not, a I think it's just thought. not a good representation of either one of those characters whatsoever. Uh, I, I was talking about the Wonder Woman part. So. <laughs> like, the Wonder Woman part was amazing. I and love that part. And I'm like, that, oh, man. It's outstanding. And fly on her shield say, what, like, say what you want. I mean, her her showing up in that movie the way she does and then Junkie XL's fucking score for her. That shit fucking that that shit slaps. I, I thought the party was cool too. Like, yeah, it was, it was done well. Like, but like, yeah, two but, parts but, of a movie that are like Ben Affleck. I think starting in that movie and even through, uh, you know, Justice League and Zack Snyder's Snyder cut shit. Um, he is the closest we've ever gotten live action to the animated series, Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah. The look is spot on. And as much as I don't want to say it, like his look is spot on. Yeah. You I know, mean, it's, it's, just it was, it, it was the scene in, um, Batman V Superman where he is, uh, approaching that guy in the bar and like using his phone to clone that guy's phone. And like, just how he's interacting and everything. He's just, you know, sort of like this aloof billionaire. It's like, yeah, no, I, I'm here, but like, I don't know exactly what goes on, but you know, they, they have booze, so I'll drink. And I'm like, oh my God, if he had Kevin Conroy's voice, it would be fucking perfect. Absolutely yeah. spot on. He that looks being like said, him in the, in the animated series. He looks yeah. like an Affleck. And, but he even does the, the smirk, you know, like he had, like, yep. that's the big thing with Batman, the animated series as well, is that, you have to remember, I mean, obviously you guys know, but when he's not Batman and he's walking around in his brown coat with tan shirt and black tie, because apparently they don't sell anything that isn't off the rack at fucking Sears in Gotham City. <laughs> um, you know, that the the dark eyes and like the kind of like half smirk and sort of being a little sardonic and and kind of being half half playful. I mean, not going full blown like, yeah, I'm a fucking wild party boy millionaire. You know, it, it really is the kind of thing that would just be like Bruce Wayne. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> totally, you totally buy that Ben Affleck totally like like has sex with chicks. You you don't like um, you don't get that from like all the Batman. Like they talk about like Playboy Batman stuff like that, where it's like the one from the animated series is like a total hermit shut in. He's like, he may go out on like the occasional date with like Summer Gleason or, you know, Selena Kyle or something like this. But like the Ben Affleck Batman is totally taking women home from these parties. Yeah, this dude fucks. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it, it, it was fuck, am I right? Eh, eh, eh. Well, no. isn't there a scene where he wakes up and there's a with a girl in the bed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I can't even remember. But but what what I was getting when at he wakes was... up when no one's there, uh, Martian Manhunter shows up. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. You know but, what's cool though? You're, you're saying about this. Um, the the best Batman I think that he played is is uh, besides like that warehouse scene is uh, in Suicide Squad in the beginning where he goes to apprehend Will Smith's uh, 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 Deadshot. Dead I I'm like that's a really good performance for this, and it's like yeah. six minutes long, and I'm like this is pretty damn good. Yeah, it's it's and, and you get like that little glimpse of humanity in him too, which really we get from like adam west and and we get that from uh robert pattinson at the end of the film which is like one of the most gratifying pieces of it oh i mean i think it's one of the most gratifying pieces of any of the batman movies that have come out since 1989 to be perfectly honest um just one second into that um one thing that i i think contributed to robert pattinson's performance particularly separating it from Ben Affleck being the most recent before him uh, is that I really enjoyed and appreciated the fact that Batman used the voice modulator in mm-hmm. Snyder's movies. It's something that I've always said would make sense. It helps to obfuscate who he is even more. Uh, and especially, you know, because of Ben Affleck, I mean, he's a tall guy, but he has a, a higher voice. Um, so it wouldn't be like, stop, you know, like stop, don't even try it. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's certainly a lot better than Christian. I didn't smoke the cigarettes. I ate them before this scene. <laughs> right. Well, you, you know, swear to me. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. Somebody you know get this what? guy a Ludens. Uh, we'll, we'll probably get something like that with, uh, Reeves Batman in, in the sequel. Cause He's playing fast and loose in this movie, especially when going to uh, the the club, you know, when he goes to the club as Batman, you know who I am. Oh, amazing. But then he goes as Bruce Wayne. You know who I am. You know, just by the way, the uh, the bouncers at the club, like straight away. I mean, I was like, okay, come on. Like, did you figure who they who they probably were? Uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I'm not the only. Well, I mean, I said that to my wife Dara, and she was like, "From Alice in Wonderland." I was like, "You know what? I don't have time for this shit right now." See, this is this is all going to it. This is Harvey Gate. We're going to uh, Steve Harvey is going to be the Bad Hatter in the next movie. Just saying. Yeah, but you got Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah, I I absolutely loved when he when he rolled into the club and just started fucking shit up left and right. Um, I'm, you know, and, and, and like just the fact that he walked in, he didn't smash down through a glass ceiling. None of that crazy 90s cocaine fueled bullshit. <laughs> you know, just like, oh, no, no, I'm going to look you square in the eye while I break your fucking nose. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you will. <laughs> you know, it was it was great. I absolutely loved it. Um, but I think. I think it was a very conscious decision to keep him from using a voice modulator as a character because he had a lot of dialogue as Batman mm-hmm. and not so much as Bruce Wayne. And I think using a voice modulator, you know, even post obviously doing ADR or whatever, 
uh, for anybody out there, ADR is a digital dialogue recording. Um, they, they usually dub it. They record it after the fact so they can put it over the scene case, you know, to make sure the sound quality is good. But I think that it was done so he was still clearly a person who was mm -hmm. doing this. And it drove home the actual drama and tension of each scene. I think it would actually, at least on a subconscious level, take the audience out of it if instead of like sending these to me and it was he's sending these to me it's like all right yeah we we fucking get it like you have then to you're, use... you're back in the adam west era with that it's yeah like, he's trying to send us a message chum you know it's like that's that's where you get into it it's like he's chewing up scenery you know uh, intentionally as it turns out as as opposed to what you're talking about was really subdued and it's more about the story yeah, um, and I think I don't think character. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're gonna see him use a voice modulator. I, I I I would be disappointed at this point if he did, honestly, because this was so well crafted and the approach I personally like the approach was was so well done. I mean, three hours and it did not feel like three hours to me. No, yeah, well, that movie yeah. it did. But I, I had to pee towards the end, so it's like other than that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I knowing it was three hours, I was like, okay, let me pace myself here. Um, <laughs> but well, uh, it didn't drag. I I was engaged I the yeah. whole time, and I did get a kick out of the fact that in the subway scene, um, the kid that he lets go, um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched Titans. Yeah, that kid plays Tim Drake in Titans. Oh no, kidding! Oh really? Yeah. Um, but also it I was like I, straight out of the warriors too. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciated the fact that in that entire gang, they all had their faces completely covered in makeup and his was half and his was half. Yep. It was such a great visual cue to the audience that this kid wasn't quite there. Like he was, he was on the precipice of being as bad as these guys. And hopefully something like seeing Batman beat the shit out of all of his quote unquote friends scared him away and he was never going to complete that transition you know like that's the hope from that and all honestly i never ever i said this shortly after seeing the movie i think it's fantastic and also it's so frustrating to me that getting through i shouldn't say through but you know going through this story with these characters and seeing where it ends in this particular chapter, there's so much hope. Yes. At yeah. the end of this movie, with Bruce actually having a little bit of self realization and seeing it's not enough to be a monster to fight monsters because you'll only defeat them to the point where you'll become as bad, if not worse, than. It's more important to be a symbol and one of hope more than anything else. And that's why it was so important to him at the end that he didn't just take off. He actually helped save citizens from everything that was happening. And they saw him and they thanked him and he understood. He, he actually, like, for the first time in, what, 20 years, he actually felt like a person again which the most ironic part about it is he's dressed as a guy in a bat suit. 
and the that, frustrating that was never his purpose though you know like the whole idea of him being batman was that he was going to be somebody who was outside of the justice system oh yeah that couldn't be corrupted in a corrupt system yeah so he, it, this like he changed his modus operandi here like for the right way like we can all agree that the ending was good because he did the right thing yeah well i think i don't think it's so much changing his mo altogether it's it's just a a repurposing of his mo it, what it is it's criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot but that doesn't mean you have to scare the people who aren't criminals and that was such an important distinction for him to realize at the end like it's not enough because they think i'm they think i'm a monster they think i'm a thing in the shadows just as bad, if not worse, than these people I'm trying to take out and protect them from. Well, I need I need to be here as the hero, as as that symbol for them, so they know that I'm on their side and I won't be corrupted. That that all goes right in there with what you were saying. But it's definitely a yin and a yang because you know the subway scene, the first time where we see him, you know that that uh civilian you know after he beats the shit out of everybody he's he's scared shitless don't hurt me don't hurt me you know yep. uh, and then you go at the end but it's also a, a a huge character growth because you know we get the sense that you know uh bruce he he's pretty much at the end of his rope he, he wants to do anything just to you know fix you know uh everything going on like you know when Alfred tells him, if you keep on going like this, you're going to lose it all. I don't care. You know, because um, yeah, in his mind, he already has. Yeah. Well, he's he's very much acting the role of like a broken child, you know, exactly. like, which, in, which in, is in exactly point, what like, Bruce Wayne should be. Yeah. You know, especially in year two, for sure. And I had no qualms with how both he and Andy Serkis approached the roles of, of Bruce and oh, Alfred, Andy. respectively. I loved Andy Serkis. I mean, as much I was... as I love like Jeremy Irons or Michael Caine or um, uh, what's his face that did the one. I, I really did like the one in the old uh, Batman's in the 90s. But um, man. Oh, uh, Alfred. No, no, not Alfred. Um, something. I, I actually have his book in my Amazon queue. I wanted to get it. But um, yeah, dude. Pennyworth here is so good. Um, so Michael Goff, sorry, Goff, Michael yeah. Goff. I, I I almost said the name of one of the two guys that like created Smallville. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we definitely get a Alfred that's more from like the Earth One. Um, uh, yeah, former serious. former British intelligence. He's so much like the Pennyworth from uh, from Gotham. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. I would say, well, um, yeah, definitely from Gotham and, and even Gotham has has some of Earth One. But, uh, you know, where he mentions like he was supposed to protect uh, the Waynes, you know, and that's the same thing in, in Earth One where he was hired as uh, a protector, you know, instead of a butler. Yeah, that was always like that was always one of my dream sequences for a Batman movie was to actually see it start from the beginning. Like start at the start, which would be the Waynes hiring him when Martha was pregnant. So, you know, we we like the movie itself would like start off and it would just, you know, you go through your rigmarole of whatever version of a fucking Danny Elfman song you're gonna use this time. <laughs> and then boom, 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 boom. You know. Um, 
but it would start, you know, it'd be like a, a rainy night, you know, kind of misty, foggy out there, clouds, and you see the moon, and, you know, you might, you see kind of like Gotham skyline in the distance, and you think like, oh, tonight's the night, you know, we're going to fucking see it all happen again, and what it actually does is instead, it, it doesn't, you know, go to Gotham and show you all that, it actually swings around, and you're going to Wayne Manor, and uh, you're actually witnessing the probably middle to end of the interview for some guy and this rich guy who's clearly thinking about hiring him is sitting behind a desk. And by the end of it, you come after they list some of his credentials and shit, you realize like, Oh shit, this is Alfred Pennyworth applying to be, you know, the security guard slash Butler of the Wayne family. You come really highly recommended, sir. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, You know, like that's the kind of thing that I, I, even just that, like at the beginning, you don't even have to dwell on that stuff. That's just one thing that gets you into the frame of mind of what the story would be. So that way, later on, when you actually see Bruce trying to navigate becoming Batman, why Alfred has all kinds of like sage advice and knowledge that he can use to his advantage. And I, small- I like that a lot. Um, and and the reason I like it is because I think that with more savvy audiences now who have seen 19 Batman movies, we can move on. Like, like with Spider-Man, you don't need to do the whole uncle Ben thing and all that. Again, it's been done. You know, what's happening, you know, um, even though you're coming into like another generation, all that. Who's uncle Ben. I've only seen the MCU movies. Yeah, exactly. You know, they switched it to aunt may. Yeah. So even with aunt may, you know, in, in her brand of, uh, of uh, microwavable rice, you know, um, whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's, you, it's can, really, you have a all three, You audience. can tell all three of us are from new England because not a single one of us said aunt may. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm saying aunt may like there's like only very few communities that will agree with us on that pronunciation. Like the British, like anybody overseas, we do really. say parlor too. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> then like, than anybody Go from New England, yeah. and uh, it's it's still it's big down south, uh, uh, and in like New York, with um, like some of my friends, uh, black community, and even like the Puerto Rican community. But anybody else like past that, no, it's it's always that's my aunt. Like my wife's family is from Pennsylvania, and she's like, oh my my aunt Gail, and I'm like, you're what? You're, How do the they say quarter? You? Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I can tell you how they say water. It's water. <laughs> I'll curse you because I can't hear potato without thinking potato anymore. But I, potato, potato, I, I don't, I don't do that. I cannot do it. Potato. So, potato. so, so that also brings up another thing is, uh, you know, and this was not her name in the movie, but Aunt Harriet. Yeah, yeah, she's in it, and we haven't seen her since the '66 Batman series, right? Yeah, uh, and my, well, her oh, name. Oh shit! Was, I didn't even. Th- I wow, that didn't even occur to me, dude. Her her name was Dory in the movie. But that's that's still. I I didn't. I haven't watched Batman sixty six in a dog's age, so. I, I didn't make are they on? I know they're on FX. Or they were on FX. Are they on HBO Max? I have. I own the fucking series. So oh, I uh, have it. I don't need. Uh, to they're on it. Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, they had a sale on Vudu like two years ago, and. I was like, why are you selling Batman 66 Diabolical. Diabolical, Joe. I I love that. 
that's that's one of those things that I'm just never going to get sick of. As as campy as as it is, it's just like as, as funny as like the Riddler gags are and corny and all that. It's just that to me is like my love of the character came from all of those episodes. Oh yeah, I mean, for me too. Uh, my I mean, my dad loved the fact that it, it showed on like one of the cable stations all the time and uh i could tell he also got a huge kick out of the fact that like he could tell where i was in in the series and what have you because like one day i came up to him i was like dad who's the green hornet he was like i've been waiting for this day <laughs> <laughs> you know it was actually like one of the most significant bummers of my lifetime when um and i gotta make sure i phrase this correctly um it was i was not disappointed at the approach for the green hornet movie okay i was it's fine they i i actually appreciate the fact that they tried to differentiate it a bit and still really play up the fact that you know green hornet wasn't really the hero it was it was kato oh yeah you know i i dig on that and it was great i think it was smart to have a comedic actor as Britt reed but the bummer part of it was the fact that I was like, oh my god, this could be amazing because you could actually like make some other movies that really round out why this character is able to be this. Because I don't think a lot of people realize, especially because Disney bought the fucking rights to the other character. The Green Hornet's granduncle is the Lone Ranger. The oh, reason wow. that Britt Reed's family has a fortune that they were able to buy a newspaper and publish it for the better part of a century silver is mine. because of the silver mines. Yep. Oh, and then you can bring in um, uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably was, not, a, not now, but that maybe was my at chief that concern. Time. <laughs> that was, that was the reason I brought it up. <laughs> hey, hey he, you know, he the trial's going in his favor, you know, it's just, uh, he, he would have been great as the penguin too. You know it. But, I think um, he would have been better as the Mad Hatter in a Batman movie than in Tim Burton's uh, him Abominations. As, oh, yeah, he I, could do it. Him as the Mad Hatter? Holy shit! Actually, gonna do? he would have been he would have been a great Hush. Yeah. Been a fantastic yeah. Hush. Yeah, I mean, um, as long as they as they shave his facial hair and stuff like that. Like, oh yeah, he would have been you know clean cut, mm-hmm. you know Johnny Depp, you know like Rum Diaries, you know Johnny Depp. He he would have been too good to be Harvey. Um, yeah, no, he couldn't have. Yeah, been no, Harvey. he could he couldn't Harvey, do yeah. he couldn't do Harvey. And that's not to say that he wouldn't have been capable of it. It's just yeah, it's he doesn't have the look to be honest. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a little it's just He's a little, a little too much. Yeah, you got to have somebody who has a pres a physical presence. Um, and you know that's you know that's that you know it's it's that's a fun little alternate reality we just took a turn into. A couple, a couple things I wanted to squeeze in here is um, we covered on this very podcast, uh, Batman Noel, and there are some aspects of this that cross over with that, um, specifically what you guys were talking about when he becomes a symbol of hope and how he's trying not to scare everybody. Yeah. And then there's the kids at the end and all that, just very similar to the the little kid at the end of uh, Batman Noel, where the kid loves Batman, but Batman intimidated it and basically, you know, threatened to use the kid's dad as a uh, bait to get the Joker and the Joker could possibly kill him and his son, you know, um, just constantly showing that it's like, yeah, Batman was kind of a piece of garbage 
doing this like Machiavellian thing, like a, a means to an end. But at the end, because of Superman and the other ghosts in his life, Catwoman and stuff like that, he actually becomes a better person for it. And, and it goes to show you that it's like he is a damaged, flawed human being because he's he's playing, you know, Russian roulette as it is with other people's lives, you know, mm. just to try to, uh, you know, oh, I got to catch the Joker because he's going to kill people. Yeah. But what about the collateral damage along the way? But fuck know, the collateral damage along yeah. the way. Yeah. Those and, are people, and, uh, not people. I buy and, and sell a million. A million exactly, exactly, and, and it's like that's that's the difference between his Bruce Wayne in say, um, uh, like Batman Forever, who is like mind control. You know, it all sounds a little too crazy, but you know, like that's a different sort of human character as opposed to the one that you know is doing that in like Batman Noel. But we get like that that satisfaction of seeing the turn in him at the end. And that is just so, so satisfying to see. You're like, Oh wow. This guy, like, like, I think Batman's going to save these people. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said too, for watching uh, Batman in media, not just not reading comic books, but in particular, since we're talking about, you know, live action iterations um, to actually see uh, a shift or, uh, you know, progression of the character um, at all. It's, it's actually few and far between. That, that occurs uh we didn't actually see much of that from tim burton's two batman movies i agree uh, that, it, you know, it seemed like he was gonna go that route but then he changed his mind at the end after, um you know he's like oh i could give this up and all that and then he like changed his mind yeah like, oh okay whereas right. <laughs> i mean as as much as pe- people might like to crap on it i do like batman forever i think val kilmer was an excellent pick for bruce wayne and batman particularly bruce wayne and the fact that by the end of that movie, he is straight up like, I'm not Batman anymore because I have to be. I'm Batman because I choose to be. And, you know, like that makes a big difference for how you perceive the character by the end of a story. And that's sort of the same thing that we're seeing happen at the end of this movie, The Batman by Matt Reeves. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, I'm here for it. You know, I, I just... I feel that if we can take a Batman story that, you know, it's three hours long and it's, it, it is dark and it, it's like, you know, seven light <laughs> for, for those of us out there who have seen David Finch's movie. Um, it's, it's frustrating and hopeful because I like that we're getting to that point where we're going to see a, a hero Batman. That's not uh, glossed over version of camp batman but the fact that we have a batman movie that ends on such a hopeful note and we still don't have a superman who has been anywhere near as hopeful as matt reeves batman at the end of this movie is maddening well it it is maddening but it it, the hope but 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 it's hopeful because if you can do that with batman You can certainly do that with Superman. Yeah, and, and you know, like we mentioned earlier, the changing of the guard with with DC. You, you know, there's rumblings that we're gonna get another uh, Superman movie. Obviously, we're gonna get another Superman movie, whether it's a reboot with Cavill or you know, continuation. You know, who knows? But definitely to see where this movie went, um, I, I just see you know 
more and more great things from DC. Uh, you mentioned Noel. Um, another thing that was definitely taken from, you know, the style of Noel is, is this very, it's a very Lieber Mijo Batman. Yes. Yeah. Good, good call, Leo. Yeah. It's, yeah. um, the, the design looks very similar to that with like the, I love uh, the design. scalloped oh, yeah. shell sort of um, armor the, and all that. Yeah. Well, and they didn't the collar. Even... Oh, the collar. Yeah. The collar definitely. Outstanding. Um, yeah. Uh, and they didn't go into any of the backstory like like, you know, the um, his bat symbol. You know, it, a lot of people theorized that it was the gun that killed his parents. You know? yeah. Uh, and it very well could be. But, you know, they didn't. I hope they don't do that. I hope they don't. There's no need for that. That was that was a plot point. Wasn't that another John Byrne thing? Was it? I think it was. Hmm. Where he melted it down. We'll, we'll we'll have to look into that. I I, yeah. I did write down some some references. Um, obviously we 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 got some awesome long Halloween references. Yep. Uh, Falcone being shot uh, with Thomas working on him and uh, Bruce looking on. Uh, Selena's father being Falcone, uh, and also scratching his face, yep. uh, definitely from uh, you know Long Halloween oh, yeah. uh, or Dark Victory, um, Dark Knight Returns. Uh, you know the the thugs in the subway. You know with the face painting, um, definitely you know seemed like it was taken from from Dark Knight Returns. We mentioned the '66 Batman. Um, and this year I, I caught it, but I didn't realize that it was, I don't know if it was a dig or, um, but, um, Falcone before he died, uh, making a Zorro reference. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we get a Batman that definitely is urging no guns and, and no killing. Um, and, uh, they, they reference Blackgate, obviously Arkham, mm -hmm. um, and Earth One. I mean, I I absolutely adore Earth One, and just having the references from that was was great. So like Alfred, and then uh, Martha's mental illness. Um, that was a whole new ball game. Like when they start cool. talking about that, yeah. they they always deify these two people. Like, oh, my parents were saints. It's like, were they though? You know. Well, here, I mean, the I first wouldn't. Time they're looking at them as actual people. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault Martha Wayne for ha having issues. You know what I mean? Like, certainly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it in the category of like, oh, she wasn't like a good person or anything like that. You know, it's, uh, but the fact that they, they, they weren't um, above all. You know, there was, there was, they weren't infallible or anything like that, and, um. I will say this though, I do think it's a little contrite to do the whole like my dad was not a fucking good dude, blah blah blah, and then like we all fucking knew honestly by the end of that movie that we were gonna find out that it wasn't as it appeared when it came to how he was he was seeing the information given to him about his dad. Yeah, well, and consider the source too, you know, yeah. of, of where he got it from. So, yeah, I mean, I I don't think it was something that was it. It was nicely done as opposed to being like telegraphed a mile away, you know, um, but it's like, yeah, you if you have seen a movie like this before, you can pretty much reasonably guess that that was going to be your red herring. Red herring, the kid from Scooby-Doo. Exactly. From a pup named Scooby-Doo. 
Uh, th- there was a couple other references uh, in my research. Um, apparently, the reporter that was trying to out the Waynes was uh, Edward Elliott uh, from Hush. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and he was killed too, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I I haven't read the storyline yet, but apparently there were zero year references with the ending, um, with uh, uh, Arkham being flooded. Yeah, I wish I could I could comment on that. I don't remember that storyline as much. Yeah, I, it's cool I, that Maggie Gyllenhaal and Peter Sarsgaard both get to say that they were killed in Batman movies. Yeah, yeah, they can. <laughs> <laughs> There's not many couples that can say that, right? Yeah, I mean, um, he's he's an interesting character too because it's like this is his redemption song from doing uh, the Green Lantern film which yeah. I also say is not unwatchable. It's just uh, they just picked the wrong characters. Wrong characters. Yeah. And you just need to watch the director's cut. The fucking director didn't Dude, know I, what I like movie the director, he was making. I like the director's cut of uh, of Daredevil. You know, yeah. I have it, and I still haven't like. seen it. I still Dude, have not seen the director's cut. Julio's in it. Daredevil. It's insane. It's, yeah, isn't it's he, so isn't much he, better. Isn't he in the, like, the, uh, like a criminal in the court or something like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, check it out. Like I said, I bought a school it teacher. Ago. You know, it's like <laughs> he could be. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's he's somewhat limited as an actor, I think. So it's like uh, it was Some just kind of like kind of limited as a rapper too. But you know, that's well, that was hair's to limited too. So, <laughs> uh, so so we're an hour in, and we didn't even mention like uh, you know Paul Dano's you know uh, uh, acting in this, which was friggin' phenomenal. Um, yeah, the, it, was, the car, it was great. Oh, yeah. The, the car chase scene is friggin amazing. Um, the, the one scene that I didn't really care for, um, but it, it was realistic was the flying scene. Oh, with the uh, uh, the flying squirrel suit. Yeah, it was weird how he set it up, I think, you know, and then, then you're like, oh, OK, this is happening. Well, it, it, yeah. it was, you know, Commissioner Gordon told him to take the stairs up. You know, and, and like Commissioner Gordon, what did he know he could fly? You know, of course. And and this Gordon absolutely knows this is Bruce Wayne. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, um, I I personally didn't mind that scene. And honestly, I saw it in the theater, but then rewatched it uh, because my wife wanted to see it uh, when it came out on HBO Max. <sighs> and uh, right away, she was like, I like that. I, I like that they they showed that because it wasn't just that he flew and got away. It's that he actually he got away, but he fucked himself up oh, in yeah. doing so. Like yep. he he did not stick the landing. It was not that Hollywood easy going. Like oh okay, now I live to fight another day. No, he walked away. He's like I think I fucking broke like three ribs. Yeah. Oh, Which is like Bale and Batman Begins, where he falls down that fire escape because he gets sprayed in the face with fear toxin. Yeah, absolutely. And, and notice those are, are more um, well-received movies where they actually show his human side. Yeah, okay. the, the, you know, the realism, but it's not gritty realism, if that makes sense. Um, I, I will say the one big thing that I actually had a problem with in this entire movie, and I shouldn't say big thing, like for me, um, I appreciated the hell out of him being a detective, like I said, and... I think it speaks to the training that he clearly got before he decided to do this. 
as Project Gotham and what have you. Um, but also considering the obsessive drive that Bruce Wayne has, one of the things that would be part of his arsenal and not physically is his mind, right? He learns, he, he, he uh, absorbs, he adapts, he improvises, all that stuff. I don't for a second think it's plausible to make it so that Bruce Wayne only speaks English. I think that was a huge plot hole that was just convenient when he misunderstood the Spanish translation and Oswald Cobblepot, of all people, had to explain it to him. El, El Rata instead of La Rata. Rat with wings. Yep. Uh, I thought the error was with Riddler. He made the error on purpose and they were. But that's but that's what I'm saying is like Batman should be fluent enough in several languages because he would never let a lack of communication or understanding prevent him from being able to stop criminals slash people getting hurt. It, you know, he it, does like in the comics, like he's, he's, um, you know, educated in Latin. He can speak Spanish. He can speak Japanese. He can speak Mandarin, you know, um, I figured uh, he would, he would hit romance languages easily yep. because they're also very similar. French. And then they're, he would, yeah. he would do Mandarin, Japanese, Russian. There's, know. there's a scene in, um, uh, Bane conquest where he and Bane are going back and forth in different languages because they're in a prison and, and they're just like trying to communicate with each other. And, and like the other prisoners are just looking at them like, what the heck? We, we can't understand a way what they're talking about. It's like that scene in Braveheart, you know, where, where um, yeah. Wallace is like, would you rather I do it in Latin? You know, it's like, it's That's like one of my, <laughs> the beginning of that when Brian Cox shows up is his uncle Argyle, you know, and he sits him down. He's like, do you know do you not speak Latin, boy? No. Do you read? No. Well, that's two things we'll have to remedy then. <laughs> it's like, and then you see him, you know, 20 years later, and he's fucking spouting off at the mouth of three different languages. It's like, whoa, that's a that's a smart Celt, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so just uh, back up real quick. Uh, my issue with the flying scene is just the look of the suit. Just it, uh, because it was like puffy, it looked like a balloon. Um, that that was my only issue with it. I love that you know he crashed at the end. Um, you know the chase scene using the the um, the grappling hook. Uh, yeah. it, it was all great. It was just the the look of that suit. Just uh, you know, you would think it was more of a base jumper suit that he would use. Well, I I've, I I got the impression like when he pulled the cord and everything that it did get puffy to help protect him if he did hit anything or he had a hard landing uh, okay that like, that makes sense I, or at least I to help against the wind resistance too so it both. has some sort of inflation yeah. yeah i i just i i figured it was just from that like i was like oh that that's a that makes functional sense to me but i i get why if it didn't look right to you it makes sense i i get it yeah um you know what we haven't talked about yet is the the one piece that I feel like this movie would not have worked without, and that's uh, Selena Kyle, Zoe Kravitz. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel like 
without her, you get another Batman Begins, and it's a pale comparison. There's no way to differentiate what the movie is. Yeah. And and she just she moves everything along. She moves the plot along. She moves his character growth along. All of that kind of stuff that happens. And as good as his villains are to define him as a character, this time he was absolutely defined by the relationship he had with someone who influenced him to make these changes. Yeah. And um, not only that, the subtlety with which they approached her being, quote, Catwoman. Um, honestly, I really just I like the fact that she just, you know, she she had a suit you know, a go-to suit to throw on to, to go burgle. Um, and the hat, that's, yeah, that's the verb. Go burgle something. Sorry. I was just (laughs) uh, back to the animated Hobbit movie there. (laughs) But, uh, but the, the hat that she wore, um, just like the little, little tiny, barely perceptible bumps that give her like the look of cat ears so much better than Anne Hathaway flipping up, goggles and trying to make them look like cat ears like my god like it was just and also um i appreciate the fuck out of the fact that selena kyle when she was in her cat suit and what have you did not wear fucking heels yeah i'm so sick of that bullshit with women in these movies like it is it is ridiculous you know any woman wearing heels and wedges the way that we've seen them in any number of these comic book movies would fucking snap their ankle like a twig. Well, she she takes off the heels before she goes out. Yeah, smartly, you know, because she's yep. she's a professional and she knows what she's doing, you know, and, and little things like that make a huge difference in how you perceive the entirety of the world that these characters inhabit, not just what you see in front of you at that moment in time. Oh yeah. And and how she's introduced, you know, just her, you know, very nimbly hopping out the window and just scurrying down, you know, definitely a great way to introduce her as, you know, well, yeah, she, she's somebody that's, you know, uh, that that's Catwoman right there. Yeah. And, and when she first dresses in the suit and emerges from the window and everything, such a wonderfully, subtle touch especially for anybody that's familiar with the character from the comics mm-hmm. to have a huge purple neon sign outside of her building so she's bathed in that purple light and it gives that purple tint albeit momentarily like that purple tint that is associated with catwoman throughout oh, the years <laughs> it, it was it was it was nicely done you know, there's the, aside from like the Spanish thing, there's like no issue I have with this movie whatsoever. As, as a matter of fact, I was fucking thrilled. I was pleased as punch to see John Totoro playing the heavy in this. Oh, movie. yeah. He was so good. Oh, my God. It was great. Like, he, it's it's such a nice reminder as to how phenomenally talented he is as an actor. Well, so not only that, he, he is phenomenal. Uh, but it was his uh, uh, suggestion to put in the long Halloween reference. The the scene, him talking about being shot and his father working on him. He wow. insisted that be in there. That was not in the script. Wow. wow. No yeah. kidding. I'm not surprised that he would know the source material. I mean, he honestly, John Turturro strikes me as the kind of guy who 
probably likes you know smart comics. Honestly, I I wouldn't be shocked by that. There, there's so many more. Well, he does dorks. see all the angles. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many geeks and dorks throughout yeah. the film industry, performers and creatives alike that have, are into these same things that that we've loved for years. And it's only been the past like 15 years or so that it's been like chic to be able to come out and say like, oh, I fucking love these. I love these books. I've been reading them forever. You know, I mean, back in the day, like what was the closest we got? Like Keanu Reeves being the only person out there like I like X-Men comics. I've been reading them since I was a kid, you know, and everybody else is like, all right, fucking whatever you say, Bill or Ted. I can't remember which one you are. (laughs) (laughs) Or or, um, Nicolas Cage, you know, where uh... yeah, Yeah, names his kid Kal-El. Buys Action Comics number one. Like I named my, I, I picked my stage name from from Luke Cage. Like, yep, yep. Okay, we yeah we know, man. Your last name is Coppola. We understand. <laughs> By the way, Nick Cage's most recent movie. Holy shit, is that? I, I just like, watched it last oh. night. It was amazing. It's yeah. it's the most meta movie I've ever seen, and I think will ever be. I love meta movies. I love that <laughs> it, shit. It's it's uh, the only thing I can really compare it to is being John Malkovich. <laughs> mm, no shit. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry to get us off topic and actually we should uh, wrap, wrap it up, yeah. up. Uh, I just wanted to bring up some issues or some comics definitely if you haven't read them uh, you should definitely read them you know if you enjoyed this movie which I can't see anyone not enjoying it but yeah, uh, right. you know uh, certainly Batman Earth 1 uh, is an amazing read uh, Long Halloween um, and like we mentioned, there's a little reference with Hush, but I, I, I think if you re- go back and read Long Halloween, Dark Victory, yeah. and Earth One, um, now I need to go back and read Zero Year to see what that's not going to read. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've read Zero Year. I've, I've read the other ones. I own the other ones. Yeah. I actually just got my absolute Long Halloween from my from my mom's house. Know. Yeah, I, I completely forgot I had it, and I was like, oh my goodness, I could kill someone with this book. I think I'm going to kill someone with this book. Yeah, just do it on a holiday and you'll be okay. I was thinking Halloween. Is that yeah. too on the nose? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, you know, did you use a, a baby nipple on it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a fucking big nipple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, use the Ren and Stimpy ones. It silences the book. Does it, Brandon? <laughs> uh, I, I do know Zero Year was referenced uh, multiple times in the current Batman run. Um I would say from like issue 90 on uh, they've referenced it. Uh, I would say maybe like three times. Neat. Yeah. Nice. I like it. So uh, yeah, something, something to read. Okay, so uh, we're saying, so we're saying Batman year zero, Batman, the long Halloween, Batman, dark victory, optional Batman hush. Yep. Yep. Uh, Earth one. Um you you wouldn't you wouldn't recommend uh oh and yeah earth one that is a phenomenal comic um yeah what would you i mean honorable mention year one yeah of course oh yeah totally absolutely i mean would you i mean i'm just saying putting everything out there i know uh, pretend this is the first episode that somebody's seen (laughs) uh yeah yeah definitely uh year one um frank miller david mazzuccelli run yeah uh, I need to go back and read year two because this is obviously year two Batman. Uh, but I don't think there's any. I don't know if there's any year two uh, crossovers. I would not be the guy to ask. 
I'm going to say yes, which no, is I, probably I, wrong. I, yeah, I, you know, I've just I bought it because of the McFarlane covers uh, here too, but I I haven't read it, so uh, you know, something else. Covers. Hey, Leo. <laughs> I was trying to support my local comic shop. You know, I, I'm over here with like. I have eight covers of Last Ronin number five, and I'm like, I'm just going to be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> here you are, not being quiet about yeah. it. Well, and are you going to get the uh, director's cut? Yes. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, does it have does it have a turtle on it? Yes. <laughs> did you know, did Note you know to self, put turtles on things and sell them to Justin. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like putting candy under a box with a stick. I'll be there. <laughs> or even a turtle under a box with a stick. Turtles. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> Turtly. Uh, uh, we we just had uh, Guy Gilcrest on, and he was talking about... Uh, oh, nice. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he was Muppet Babies about... and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Muppet Babies, but also Turtles. Did he, uh, did he um, mention about uh, Muppet Babies ever getting released? Oh, my God. Uh, what do you mean? As of like a, a DVD or, or like streaming a DVD somewhere or whatever? Nah. Yeah, because you can't buy it anywhere unless nah, you get like a bootleg from somebody. I'll look for that at the next con to see if I can get that on bootleg. Sorry, I have it on bootleg. Nice. Yeah, come on. Anywhere. stripe socks. Let's <laughs> go. Um, thank you for listening to our Muppet Babies podcast. <laughs> Yes, the uh, pork night. Pork, 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 pork. <laughs> he, he. Uh, I was going through his commissions, and he did draw uh, Beaker as Egon. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. Great. And uh, he also did the Muppets uh, as uh, uh, Luke, Leia, and Chewbacca, and Han. Uh, Han. Um, what would, else did he would, do? Would Bunsen be be Ray? I, that's what I, I, would, oh. I would imagine. I would imagine so, right? Yes. Maybe. Mm. well on that note we're gonna wrap it up <laughs> i want to thank everybody for watching the dork night uh for me just google leo pond you'll find a bunch of stuff but you know i run a little thing called the dorkening podcast network we got a ton of shows on a network a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff speaking of awesome stuff uh powerful brandon i uh, thank you i also like to think of myself as awesome stuff so much appreciated <laughs> uh yeah no um you know, you can keep your eyes peeled. Uh, we are going to be releasing uh, comics, uh, comics paradox. Uh, it's a podcast that the three of us do as well. Uh, we shift week to week. Um, Dork night one week, comics paradox another week, uh, and we cover alternate tales from DC, Marvel, wherever really. Um, sort of what ifs, else worlds, amalgam comics, tangent comics, Age of Apocalypse story arc exiles mutant x you name it we're we're probably going to cover it at some point um that that's a lot of fun and uh, otherwise you can check me out on uh the dorkening wednesday night podcast 9 p.m eastern central eastern standard time um every week and if you'd like to check out the powers combined uh facebook group uh we're just a group of dorks that like to get together and share info and laughs and memes our number one rule is don't be a jerk if you violate it you will be kicked out immediately uh, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Brandon's Powers, and on Instagram at This Brandon Has Powers. Justin, 
I have simplified this whole process. If you're interested in talking Ninja Turtles, listening to Ninja Turtles, or seeing any of the great and wonderful guests that we've had on our show, Epic Tales from the Sewers, check out the website, epictalesfromthesewers.com. You can go there. There's a link to any platform that you'd like to listen to, and you can listen to our audio-only podcast. Recently, we had Francois Chow on, who's an actor from The Expanse and Lost and known for playing the uh, Shredder on uh, the uh, Secret of the Ooze movie. Fantastic guy. Loved him on The Tick, an Amazon Prime show. So uh, go ahead and check check that out. Spoon! Nice. <laughs> I thought when you said you simplified it, I thought you were gonna like, so I'm just going to say all the words I want to in one. <laughs> Good job deciphering that, George. <laughs> Somebody call Alfred. <laughs> With that, catch you guys there. Bye. Bye, everybody.